Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button on this video. In any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support. Today, we're going to talk about momentum. Title of this podcast is How I Am Incorporating Momentum into My Investing Process. So, we're going to talk about momentum, we're going to talk about my investing process, and we're going to see how those two are being combined for me going forward. So, if you are new to the podcast, it is important for you to be aware I am a value investor. I like to buy stocks below their intrinsic value, I like to buy companies in concentrated positions. I like to hold concentrated portfolio, generally five stocks, 20% positions. I want to hold quality companies for the long term, all those sorts of things. So that's your background. But today we want to talk about momentum and momentum is a different strategy than value investing. It has different basis. It has different um, fundamental methods of looking at how to buy and sell stocks. So why then am I bringing up momentum? Well, I think it's very clear that there's two methods. When you look at the research on investing, when you look at um, past performance for investors, there's two key methods by which investors have made money over time and have been able to find excess returns. One of the camps is value investing and the other camp is momentum. And basically, it is these two camps that use different strategies to both extract excess returns from the marketplace When, if you were to compare it to, say, an index. So if you incorporate if your if your if your process is simply the index, you really have two key options on how to improve it. You can go into the value investing camp, or you can go into the momentum camp. I spend most of my time on this show talking about the value investing camp, talking about the principles of buying stocks, seeing them as businesses, and all that piece. Today, I want to talk about some of the things I am learning from the other camp, and I think it's important for us to be have an open mind, for us to think about as investors, the areas that we don't know as much about. And for me, momentum is one of those areas. I don't know as much about momentum. Um, if you know a lot about it, then this might be a relatively basic podcast for you. If you don't know anything, then I hope um, this will be valuable to you. And um, if you're an expert, I, you know, I'd certainly be interested in any feedback. You know, Help me to learn more. But I think it's key that as value investors, we don't close our minds to momentum. There's a lot of different strategies out there that don't have evidence of having excess returns in the past, um, but momentum is one of those. And so you can be a very successful investor focusing on momentum without worrying about 
fundamental value investing. And you can be a very successful fundamental value investor without worrying at all about momentum. So you do not need to know or use anything I'm going to talk about in this podcast if you only want to worry about fundamentals. But if you're open-minded, if you want to learn, um, if you want to think about some other things that could cause you to improve your process, then that's what this show is going to be about. And to frame this, I'm going to begin with what I consider two key types of momentum. Um, This isn't necessarily how momentum investors would frame it, um, but this is how I frame it. This is how I've been thinking about momentum in my process. Two types of momentum. One is price momentum and the other is business fundamentals momentum. Now, business fundamentals momentum is the most important, but I do think price momentum can also be helpful. Now, price momentum is likely the one that momentum investors focus the most on. Um, it is a guess. I, I can't be certain because, again, I'm, I'm just stepping my toes into the pond of momentum investing and trying to glean some benefits from it. Um, but for me, as a fundamental investor, I like to understand the business performance, the business fundamentals, and how they are changing over time. And so business fundamental momentum, so just cat distract me, um, to refocus us now for a second, um, I think I should answer the question of what is momentum. Um, momentum is this idea that it builds on the ideas of inertia and um, the some of the laws of physics put forth by Newton, I believe, that you know once something is moving, it requires force to stop it. And so things that are at rest are likely to stay at rest, and things that are moving are likely to stay in motion. And so if something is moving, you know, if a truck is moving quickly down the highway at 60 miles an hour, this big 18-wheeler, then in order for it to stop, a significant amount of force must be applied to make it stop. If there is a small car that swerves in front of them, is there something that swerves in front of them? and doesn't give them a lot of time to stop, then it's it's likely to lead to a crash because the momentum behind the movement of the truck is so powerful. That there's so much inertia and force already built into driving at the high speed and the truck weighs so much that it takes a lot of force to change its direction. It takes a lot of force to, to bring it to a stop. So how does that imply to investing? Well, the same tends to show up in stock prices. The same tends to show up in business fundamentals sometime. Basically, stocks that are rising in price tend to continue rising in price. Stocks that are declining in price tend to continue declining in price. This is how you get uptrends and downtrends. But likewise, stocks that are stable in price, that aren't moving much, that are that are locked within some sort of trading range are likely to stay there. And it requires some sort of catalyst or... Um, impetus that would change it from one trading pattern into another. So this is some of the ideas that go into why the momentum strategy exists and what plays into that. So again, this is not just simply in prices, but it also shows up in business performance. 
if you've heard um, the idea that you know winners keep on winning or the rich get richer, it's it's based upon this idea that there's some sort of momentum, there's some sort of inherent advantage to when you're doing well, it's easier to continue doing well. And likewise, if you're doing poorly, if a business is struggling, if they're not making enough sales, if they're struggling to get from paycheck to paycheck, then those distractions and those struggles cause them to be, it's harder to get out of that. You get in this little rut that's harder to break out of. So momentum is a very real phenomenon. This This is a phenomenon that exists in the physics of the universe. And although the mental model of it is not a direct interplay into the markets or direct interplay into business, and it's a little more ephemeral um, to basically say that it's it's as true in physics as it is in the markets, that it's not true. Um, you know, they are different. But this fundamental mental model of momentum will have a play in how um investments are likely to play out you see there's this belief in value investing and in fundamental investing that the only thing that matters is the fundamentals of the business at least in the long run and there's this Benjamin Graham's idea that you know in the short run the stock market is a voting machine and in the long run it's a weighing machine it's this idea that over time, the fundamentals will overwhelm any short-term changes in price. And that's true. It, it, it can be certainly be true that over the long term, that's what you will see. But the long term is a very long time. Um, it's longer than most people's investment horizon. And I think you can improve your investment performance by increasing your investment horizon, by understanding and looking further out into the future. So instead of looking out six months, you look out a year. And instead of looking at a year, you look out five years. Instead of looking out five years, you look out 20 years. And the longer you can stretch your investment horizon, the longer you can look out into the future to guide your investment decisions, the better. However, it's very difficult to make predictions about the future. And of course, the further away from the present you make a prediction, the more uncertainty and the more likely you are to be wrong. And so this is one of the areas that momentum can add an advantage for you. Because by understanding that there is momentum in prices and there is momentum in business performance. You have a chance of reducing your mistakes. You have a chance of reducing the stress, psychological stress on your um, portfolio management. And you can leverage not simply your skills as a fundamental investor, but you can also leverage benefiting from understanding how other people are going to look at your stocks. I think sometimes as investors, we focus on our discipline to the exclusion of others. It's really easy to say that when something happens that you don't understand, that it's driven by stupidity or speculation or greed or fear Um, or any number of adjectives you want to use to describe someone else's behavior or irrational. I think it's easy to 
live in an echo chamber where you simply hear the things that reinforce your thesis and you ignore that which um, could contradict it. And so my goal of incorporating momentum is to kind of break down the echo chamber around my investing process, break down um, the walls that could be keeping me into making mistakes. So the idea here is is that I've made some mistakes in the last year or two. I've talked about them in my annual investing letter. I make mistakes, of course, every year when I'm making when I'm doing investing. And I think it's it's you're always going to make some mistakes, but it's important to learn lessons from them, and it's important to learn the right lessons. Um, And one of the mistakes that I have made has revolved around momentum and buying companies and buying stocks with negative momentum trends. And I think this is the area that I want to improve in. So we're going to start by talking about price momentum. Um, Although it's it's the least important, it can still provide value for you to understand. And so we're going to talk about three different categories here. Price momentum, you might be in a downtrend, you might be in an uptrend, or you might be in a consolidation period. So it's helpful to know what the trend is. And I don't have all the full understanding of how to determine which is which. Um, So I'm going to leave that more open. And if this is an area that's interesting to you, I encourage you to investigate it further. Um, But we're going to talk very, very simply um, and and use this idea of moving averages. Moving average is the mathematical average. um, It can either be an exponential calculation, a geometric calculation, or an arithmetic calculation of what the average price is of a stock over X number of previous trading days. And so this could be the last 20 trading days, this could be the last 30 trading days, the last 50 trading days, the last 200 trading days. And you can do it on days, you can do it on months, you can do it on seconds for day traders. But we're just gonna talk days, okay? So the moving average is a very simple way of kind of understanding general momentum trends. And one way of recognizing a downtrend would be to take one of these investing charts. I've been using Yahoo Finance where you just, I go to Google, I type in the stock ticker and I click stock. And usually the first, second or third choice is Yahoo Finance um, shows up on there as an option. And, And they have a nice charting tool where you can just go in there and select a moving average, it'll add it to the chart, and I usually add three or four of them. And so I've been adding a 20-day, a 30-day, a 50-day, and a 200-day to this chart. So what would a downtrend be? Well, a downtrend would be if the stock price, the current stock price, is below the moving average, which is basically if you take the last 20 days of stock prices and you average them, and then you look at the current price, and is the current price below or above that average? If it's below, then it might be in a downtrend. And the more of these averages that are above the current stock price, the more likely it is that it's a downtrend. So if you have all of those, if the current stock price is below the 20-day, 30-day, 50-day, and 200-day moving average, it's it's pretty much confirmed that you're in some sort of downtrend. 
Now, it gets a lot more complex when you talk about where those averages are in relation to each other and um, how they're fluctuating, and that's more complicated than I care to look at. Um, but it's an area that you can explore if that, that's interesting to you. Now, an uptrend would be just the opposite. If the stock price is above all of those moving averages, if the stock price is higher than the 20, 30, 50, and 200-day moving average, then you're likely to be in an uptrend. It means that the price is moving up and is above the average of what it was before. And consolidation is going to be different. I don't actually use moving averages for consolidation periods. Um, I think they're easier to understand than that. I don't think you need to put anything. You can just look at a chart to understand that. And what that is is generally a long period of flat stock prices. We're talking months and months, years of flat stock prices where if you pull up a long-range chart, a 10-year chart, a five-year chart, and it's a flat section on the chart that's basically um, – Prices are stuck within a range, maybe a 5% range, a 10% range, a 20% range. And they're just going up and down in that range and staying relatively stable. And that stable period is called a consolidation period. Now, price momentum shouldn't be a deal breaker on your purchase decision. If, you, if, you, if you're a momentum investor, it is, um, or it can be, um, but if you're not a momentum investor, if you're a fundamental value investor, then it, it shouldn't be a deal breaker because if the intrinsic value is substantially higher than the current stock price, then it should be okay if the price is in a downtrend or if the price is um, in an uptrend or in a consolidation period. If the, if the stock price is substantially below what your calculate trends intrinsic value can be that that's okay it doesn't mean you shouldn't buy the stock but what it does mean is you need to be aware of it um because it might change your understanding or expectations if a stock is in an uptrend and it's it's rapidly moving higher then that will potentially impact your ability to buy sufficient shares it might mean that if the stock price is 50% of your intrinsic value, if the, let's say the stock price is $100 per share and the intrinsic value you calculate is $200 per share, but it's been recently moving since $50 per share. Well, there's psychology around being in an uptrend. You might have a fear of missing out. You might already fear that you have missed out because you'll see, oh, well, it's up 2x in the last three months. Look when I, I could have bought it at 50. Maybe I wait until it goes back down to 50. Well, you have no guarantee it will go back down to 50. Um, so there's a chance that if a stock is in an uptrend and you don't act quickly, that you might not be able to buy it at that price. And so sometimes there's anchoring and you tend to anchor to prices of stocks of when you first looked at it. Um so those are some of the risks of buying in an uptrend. But then some of the benefits is that if you buy in the stocks in an uptrend, you're less likely to see um, red on your portfolio. You're less likely to have to deal with temporary short-term losses because the stock price momentum is driving you forward. Likewise, if you're in a downtrend, now you're more likely to have to deal with short-term losses as the current trend is negative because now 
It could be that when you buy your portfolio and you fill out your position that you're going to see a 5%, 10%, 20% or 30% decline after you buy, even if the intrinsic value is much higher because the the trend is down. And so this is where you get into problems like, um, should you wait till the bottom? Well, you never know what the bottom is, but it's important to consider because it's going to be psychologically trying to buy in a downtrend, but it has the benefit of giving you plenty of time to acquire your, the shares that you need to buy. Um, the third area is is my favorite. is is I, Ideally, I buy stocks that are in a consolidation period. Um, this is basically you know six months, three years. Anything where the stock price is relatively flat for a long period of time. And the best setup is where the stock price isn't moving, but the business is improving. So basically, there's no price momentum. It's relatively flat and stable. Um, but the business has a positive momentum. So the business is getting better and better over time, but the stock price is not caught up to it. The stock price hasn't changed. So you have a long period of time to acquire your position. You're not having to worry about um, big negative drops that can be psychologically harmful um, and cause you stress about your, your decision making, but you get plenty of time to buy your shares. And because the stock's been flat for so long, you're able to acquire a big position. And when the stock price does begin to rise, it, it makes it more likely it's going to be a strong uptrend. Um, you know, I learned this philosophy from um.com David Flood over there kind of explaining the concepts of, of these consolidation periods and the value of them. And when you really study his process, that makes a lot of sense. Um, No-name stocks is another great resource talking about this idea that these long consolidation periods offer the ability to acquire the shares you need and then offer a lot of potential for outperformance. So the general takeaway for, with me for price momentum is I'm really looking for these consolidation periods. Um, uptrends are okay, and I and I would like to avoid downtrends in the future because one of the concerns I have with downtrends that I haven't mentioned yet is that sometimes it's a clue that business performance is worse than you think. So if you think the intrinsic value is substantially higher than the current stock price, but the stock price has been in a long multi-year downtrend, you need to wonder what everyone else knows that you don't. To me, it makes it more likely that the stock is outside of my circle of competence. And this isn't just a theoretical piece. This has nothing to do with theory. This is this is my personal experience where when I have bought companies in a downtrend, it's usually been a mistake. And it's not been a mistake because of the price momentum. It's because the price momentum was signaling negative business momentum that I either didn't recognize or I underestimated. So those signals can be valuable and they can really help you refine your process. So let's talk business momentum. Business momentum is very simple. Is the business improving or is it deteriorating? And, you know, Buffett had a way of phrasing this basically is you can either be increasing the size of your moat every day or your moat is decreasing every day. And and with business momentum, there's not a lot of, of staying still. Um, you're either making progress or you're falling behind. There's, there's really not a middle ground 
with business momentum because the business world is so competitive and so changing that you really are you're not going to see a lot of stable unchanging businesses at least of the ones that I looked at now this could be different with stuff like utilities um things like that that don't really have much competition and they're highly regulated so they can't really go in one direction or the other um but I don't do a lot of investing in that area so I'm not trying to make a full on general statement but I do think it's an important question to ask. Is business improving or deteriorating? And one of the things I've learned is I don't want to buy deteriorating businesses. I don't want to buy companies that have business performance getting worse. Again, we're not talking about the price. We're not talking about catching a falling knife of a stock price. We're talking about catching a falling knife of a business. If a business is falling behind each and every year, it doesn't mean that the intrinsic value is zero. There is some value to that. This is These are going to be the traditional cigar butts talked about by Ben Graham, talked about by Warren Buffett, where the business is getting worse, but there's still some value there. But for me, those businesses don't appeal to me anymore because it's I, what I've learned is that they're outside of my circle of competence. They're not an area where I have a lot of expertise to really know how to evaluate them because what I've learned is that if a company is getting worse over time, if revenues are declining, if earnings are declining, if customers are less interested with them, if they're unable to hire as good of employees, these things all compound on each other. They all exasperate an ongoing problem. And what they signal is that something is wrong with the company. Um, but it's not just that. The problem is, is that you, you can't predict the future. Um, which is tough because investing is in part a game of predicting the future. And, and since you can't do it, you have to be really wary of the things that you're trying to predict. And deteriorating businesses can often surprise to the downside. Um, it, you might be expecting a company to decline 3% a year for the next five years. And it might do that for the next two years. But then on year three, it might decline by 20%. And that could completely destroy the intrinsic value calculation that you have. And so it's really trying to understand that if there's uncertainty, you want to optimize for positive uncertainty and not negative uncertainty. I also think that it's it's psychologically harder to hold bad businesses or declining businesses. If the, if the performance of the company is getting worse, I'm not talking about the stock price here. If the performance of the company is getting worse every year, it's really difficult to hold on to that stock. It's really difficult to feel good about investing in that company. And we're all human. And and now this will affect some people differently than others. And fortunately, I do think I have a better constitution at handling this than than many people, but I don't like it. Um, And so for me, I'd rather find companies I can make money with that don't do that that don't have to stress me psychologically. And I think they're out there. And so I'm trying to move away from investing in businesses that I think are deteriorating or that might deteriorate during my holding period. So the flip side of this is an improving business. This is a business where things are getting better. 
maybe you have network effects. Maybe each year revenue is growing, earnings are growing, margins are getting better. Um, the company is finding new sign, you know, new business lines, new customers, new new restaurant stores, new locations, um, new products. That's a really interesting area to consider because now that's exciting. That's, you know, instead of having surprises to the downside, you're more likely to get surprises to the upside. All of a sudden, you know, they come out with a new product and the average new products, you know, is 10% of revenues. And then they come out with a new product and it's 300% of revenues because it's just a hit. If they're always coming up with new ideas and new things, well, now you have the ability to have optionality on your side. You can get positive surprises. And that's kind of where I want to invest. And so business momentum is the most important, but in some ways um, it's maybe harder to predict. But the nice thing is, is you don't have to predict it all. Um, You can simply, you know, find the companies that are getting better over time and avoid the companies that are getting worse. Um, I don't think you have to invest in deep value to get high returns. I don't think you have to invest in deep value to get adequate returns. Um, You can make a lot of money buying high-quality companies that are growing, and you can find growing high-quality companies that are pretty cheap, too. Um, They're out there, Uh, especially if you're willing to, to buy smaller companies. So, these are kind of the ideas that that I'm wrestling with as I incorporate the momentum into my investing process. I want to buy companies with positive, improving business momentum. Companies getting better. Companies where the good news is rolling. Now, that opens you up to a negative surprise where things are going well and then all of a sudden they aren't. Sure. But I, I want to buy companies that are getting better. Now, what I don't mean is that Let's say a company that I have has been growing for 10% a year for a few years, and then all of a sudden they have a down year for 5%. I'm not going to just sell simply because they have a down year, but I am going to evaluate, is this a sign of a deteriorating business, or is this just a sign of a hiccup in the road? And a hiccup in the road where you have a down year is not a reason to sell, and it's not necessarily a reason to not have bought it. You, you're just looking at these these trends of, is the business improving? Is the business growing? Is this something that's just a hiccup, or is this like a dead end, and now the business is going downhill? And you that's the sort of things you want to evaluate in your research process, and that's the sort of thing questions that I want to answer before I'm buying a stock. So, What do I want? Ideally, my ideal setup is a consolidation p- period. I don't want any price momentum when I'm buying it. I'd like it to be relatively flat, give me a long period of time. Again, part of this is I'm buying illiquid stocks. Part of this is I'm buying smaller companies. I need longer periods of time in order to build my position. But I want a relatively flat stock price. But I'm not opposed to buying in a downtrend or an uptrend. But if I had to choose, I'd rather buy in an uptrend than a a downtrend because it signals that the business performance is probably an uptrend as well. Not always, but probably. And I only want to buy companies that are improving. I don't want to buy declining 
businesses. It's not for me. It's outside of my zone circle of control. And it's outside of my circle of competence. So it may work for you, but I think these are the considerations you need to take into account for your investing process. I'm not saying copy this framework. I am saying learn from this framework. Learn where you can incorporate momentum into your process. You might have a different takeaway. You might see a different niche of these two pieces and put them together in your own way. That's fine. But I do think value investors can learn from momentum investors. I also think momentum investors can learn from value investors. But if you learn from these two areas of the market, that have past evidence of working, I think you can improve your investing performance and likely reduce your, your stress associated with investing. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you have gained value from this show. Full show notes for this episode are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 110. Please remember this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, if I'm providing value that's leading to a financial return for you, consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You know, return 10% of the value that you gained from this show to me. You know, if, if you're getting $100 of value, then, then consider giving $10 of value back. If you're getting um, $10 of value, consider giving a dollar back. Anything, any of your support is, is appreciated and welcomed. Um, if you can't provide any financial support, please consider supporting the show by leaving a five-star rating interview. I don't expect everyone to, to provide financial support to help the show continue, but your reviews are incredibly valuable. Your reviews help the show audience grow. Your reviews are the key to helping the audience grow. And so if you leave those five-star rating reviews, if you like the show and subscribe on YouTube, those things are all incredibly helpful and appreciated. So thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.